Peace Health Peace Harbor Medical Center presents Doc Talk, an informative health series educating our community on the services provided at Peace Health. We will begin with our host, George Henry, after these messages. You're not feeling well? You twist your ankle? Or you have that pain in your shoulder that just doesn't go away? There is an alternative to the emergency room. It's a Peace Health walk-in clinic. There's no appointment necessary, and you may have to wait, but you could see someone today. It's open six days a week in the 380 building just across from Peace Health Peace Harbor Medical Center. The Peace Health Walk-In Clinic, your local health partners. I am a two-time breast cancer survivor and a big believer in mammograms. I do think they are very important. As a cancer survivor, the journey can be very difficult, but with the right people by your side, anything is possible. At Peace Health Peace Harbor Medical Center, you have access to advanced technology and mammogram screenings with enhancements to ensure your comfort. Request your appointment today at peacehealth.org forward slash yes dash mamma because beating cancer is our mission. Joining me on this special edition of Doc Talk are Drs. Andrea Halliday and Dr. Brenda Ormisher. Uh, Dr. Ormisher is an infectious specialist and the chief medical officer is Dr. Andrea Halliday. Uh, good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. Now, I wanted to start off with, with kind of finding out where Peace Health and uh, specifically also Peace Harbor here in Florence is in the, in the battle against uh, COVID-19. Are you guys all geared up and, and ready for whatever might come down the line? Um, so I'll, I'll answer, I'll address that. So we are actively preparing. Uh, we're doing a number of things. We're, we're making sure we have um, a good eye on how much um, personal protection equipment we have, and we're doing everything we can to gather more from the community. We're also doing, making sure we're conserving it and using when appropriate and communicating that. We um, are looking at our uh, staffing needs, and we're also looking at our needs for physicians so that um, as things change and there's more demands on different physician services, that we will be ready to deploy physician and staff to areas um, that are needed. Um, we are also um, actively keeping our eye on uh, testing as that becomes more available. And the other thing we're doing that I think is really important is we are, executives are here in all of our hospitals and rounding and uh, to make sure we're addressing caregivers and providers' concerns and questions. Brenda, anything you want to add about that? No, I think we've made excellent progress. Um, we're ahead of where a lot of um, health systems are nationally in our preparation stages. So I think we've done a great job in thinking ahead and thinking what we need and being ready for the next steps. Um, as unfortunately we know that it's not if it's going to hit us, it's just when are we going to see the increase in um, cases. Now we are sort of at um, we are we are sort of uh, what's the word I want here? We are sort of at the behest of the government as far as the tests themselves go. Is that accurate? So um, right now there's been a limitations on supply um, that we are seeing a decrease um, in the production of the swabs needed for collection. Unfortunately, the manufacturer, the largest manufacturer in the world, is actually based out of Italy. Um, and so that has really hit the production of those swabs. Given that there is a problem with supply, we have been unable to test 
everyone, which is what we would like to do from a public health standpoint. So at this point, the testing is being limited. Um, however, as supply increases, as we are able to get more supplies and are able to test more broadly, that really will be a future goal. Um, but at this time, testing is limited. So what is the criteria now for a person that would be tested? What, what, what symptoms, what signs do they have to show in order for them to go to the top of the list? So really right now, first responders, healthcare workers, um, so police, firefighters, EMTs, and then people that are working in the medical field are the priority for the outpatient type testing. Um, so those that will be in contact with lots of people that are not being put on leave, that they cannot self-isolate. Um, if you go to the emergency room, if you're a patient who has severe symptoms or if you are somebody who's going to need hospitalization, um, we are testing those individuals as well. This is twofold. There are some investigational medications, so there may be something we can try to help with. These are all investigational. We can't say that they will help. Um, but if, the, if any treatment is possible for somebody who's severely ill, we will give it. Um, second of all, um, this will allow us to isolate appropriately so that we're not spreading it in our hospitals ourselves and then to the healthcare workers and beyond. So coming to the hospital, if you require admission um, and are sick enough either for treatment or hospitalization, we would test you in that situation as well. Now, one of the difficulties during this time is it is also flu season. It's also cold season. Uh, what do you do for staff that may get a cold during this time? Are they required to, to opt out of work, or are there ways of, of allowing them to continue to work? No, unfortunately at this time it's very difficult to tell the difference between flu, RSV, metanumovirus, even allergies makes it very difficult. Um, and so if people are having fevers, um, even for work, but anybody with fever should not be going out. They should be staying at home. They should be self-isolating. Um, exceptions, if you are febrile and you are short of breath and you are unable to walk across the room, you should be going to the emergency room. Um, flu is also another treatable infection that we can have medications that can help. If there's severe symptoms, we can do a different test um, for flu to see if people have that. Um, and if people are severely um, sick, then we do recommend having ER urgent care to get that test. Um, I don't want to say everybody should go to the ER. Um, urgent care works perfectly well as in these situations. If you're sick, but not quite to the point where you're going to need to be spending several days in the hospital. However, as people go and get tested for this, this is another resource that's being used. Um, and that we've also seen some questions about supply of testing for that. So we are at the end of flu season, so hopefully that, that starts to drop down. RSV, which is a common childhood um, type infection we normally see. Hopefully we'll see lower volumes this year because school's not in session. Um, and then for allergy season, remember allergies don't cause fever. So if you don't have a fever, if you're just coughing and a little bit like short of breath, um, stay home. If you feel that you're unable to breathe, please go to urgent care, um, ER or your primary care for treatment because seasonal allergies are also going to be coming up right now. Oh, okay. and I, I just want to add that we're asking people to call their PCPs, you know, unless they're obviously uh, seriously ill, um, and to not come to the EDs unless, as Brenda describes, they have significant enough symptoms where they're really short of breath, having trouble walking. We're trying to keep people out of the hospital. That's why we have limited visitors um, for everybody's protection. 
I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break here right now. We're talking with Dr. Andrea Halliday, who's the Chief Medical Officer for Peace Health, and Brenda Ormisher, who's the Infectious Specialist. We'll be right back with Doc Talk right after this. I am a two-time breast cancer survivor and a big believer in mammograms. I do think they are very important. As a cancer survivor, the journey can be very difficult, but with the right people by your side, anything is possible. At Peace Health Peace Harbor Medical Center, you have access to advanced technology and mammogram screenings with enhancements to ensure your comfort. Request your appointment today at peacehealth.org forward slash yes mama because beating cancer is our mission. You're not feeling well, you twist your ankle, or you have that pain in your shoulder that just doesn't go away? There is an alternative to the emergency room. It's a Peace Health walk-in clinic. There's no appointment necessary, and you may have to wait, but you could see someone today. It's open six days a week in the 380 building just across from Peace Health Peace Harbor Medical Center. The Peace Health Walk-In Clinic, your local health partners. We're back now. I'm talking with Dr. Andrea Halliday, Chief Medical Officer for Peace Health, and Brenda Ormisher, Infectious Specialist. I want to talk about the, the test. Obviously, the results are coming in. Uh, as of this morning, there were 1,118 tests that were negative and, I believe, 75 positive tests for the state of Oregon. Is there any information that we can extract from that? It seems like the negative tests are growing incrementally more than the, than the positive tests are coming in. Can we draw anything from that? I think that we just have to draw from it that we are watching for it. We are looking at, we are being testing for anyone that could potentially have symptoms that we have any concerns on that meet those criteria for testing. Um, So we are having this front in our mind. I think that's what that test is showing you. So going into the um, doctors, going into the urgent cares, going to the ERs, people are being tested even with low kind of borderline question mark symptoms right now, just because we are being hypervigilant. Ideally, if we can identify cases, we will want to have self-isolation to try to um, control spread. And so I think that's what those negative tests are showing you is that we are really, we're testing, looking for it, and it is front on our healthcare minds. Um, The positive results, um, unfortunately, I will tell you that, yes, we see them predictions and all modeling shows that we will continue to see these and um, we just we haven't hit our peak yet I don't think and obviously as we have more tests available that will that number will increase dr. Halliday you mentioned uh, before the break here uh, that um, you know people should try to call their personal care provider um, you know before coming in I imagine so even if the, even if they think they're they're worthy of an emergency visit is it important to call the emergency department too to make sure people are prepared and gowned up and, and ready for them No I mean they they should just come into the emergency room and what we have we screen um, like we always do and the same would be true for the ambulances so um, they shouldn't do if they, if they're seriously ill they need to come to the emergency room like they would normally Okay. Is is this as is this as bad as the media's making it sound or is it is it going to get worse? I mean, I, you did mention that we are going to see more cases, but is it going to be incremental like say it, what's happening in Italy or, or other countries or have we gotten far enough to kind of bend that curve a little bit lower? It's hard to say the predictive modeling. I was actually just reading a new publication this morning um, talking about the uh, 
the growth and the curves and what we can expect. Um, our goal with the, cell, uh, with the quarantine and with uh, shutting down schools and trying to do social distancing really isn't going to prevent the infection from spreading completely. What it's meant to do is to make it so we don't get a high peak of cases that overwhelms the healthcare system um, and everyone in the society. Um, it's going to cause this outbreak to last longer, um, where we may be seeing cases June, July, August, you know, potentially even end of the year. Um, I can't say for certain, but um, the goal of this is not to stop the infection completely. We can't stop viruses. They, they are what they are. Um, but to make it so that we're able to help the people that need help, um, if they need a ventilator, that one's available to them. If they need a hospital bed, that there's a hospital bed available to them, that there's a nurse to take care of them, that there's a doctor that can help with giving antibiotics so they develop a subsequent pneumonia. Um, and so with this, I don't think that we are ahead of the curve or we're going to be able to see lowering cases with our current um, methods. It's more to spread the cases out over time so we have the resources to manage the patients and increase survival. Yeah, I would just say, just to add to Brenda, that's why it's so important that people social distance. Right? We can't emphasize that enough. That's how we will bend the curve so that our, our hospital resources and medical resources can keep up with the cases. The other thing I wanted to mention that in terms of preparation and also social distancing, we are in the process of setting up triage trailer outside of our emergency rooms, and that includes the one in Florence, so that patients with symptoms, we can screen them and see which ones are serious enough to come into the hospital and what, which other ones can um, be sent home and have follow-up with their primary care physicians. Is there anything out in the, in the medical world now, any indication of uh, getting closer? I know they were sampling some possible vaccines in Washington this last week. Or, or do we know any if we're getting any closer? No, there's no studies on the um, efficacy of those yet. There's obviously, um, when you do new drug, new vaccine testing, there's three stages that it has to go through. Um, the first stage being just a couple of people that you're just making sure that they don't have a major reaction to it, that they're not having a allergic reaction to the vaccine components or they have side effects that we don't expect. And those are they generally just, healthy people, right? That they, they're very that, healthy, yeah. yeah. They're normally healthy, no risk factors whatsoever. Um, the like cream of the crop, they're going to be like the 20-year-old that's an athlete that has, they, they get that vaccine just to test them out. Then you get the second group of people, um, which is a little bit larger. They might start sampling a little bit of risk factors, but they're not going to have people that have five risk factors at one time. It will be like, okay, well, they have diabetes only, but it's well controlled. Um, and test to make sure that they do okay with it. And then once you start getting into a larger test, then the stage three is when they do the larger population at whole, but normally not the whole population, but just like, you know, we might do just the city of Chicago type and then look at them and see if there's reactions and how people do before it's even mass produced. Generally, vaccine development takes at least a year um, to 18 months um, in, a good, in a good expedited way. This has to go through many licensings and even with the federal government speeding some of those up, um, we can't expect anything in the near future, but hopefully by the time we're getting to winter next year, we're, we're gonna be seeing something that can help. Um, and then if we do great with our social distancing, then the vaccine will definitely help uh, with preventing further cases and such. So we just need to get there, um, which I know is a long time, but we really need to make sure that we're doing 
social distancing, hand hygiene, covering your coughs, don't spread the infection, stay in and away from other people. So the recommendations from the CDC are all meant to keep this population at hold as safe as possible. And so there, there's no, there's not even any data out there that says, like the, the regular flu season, that this, this might wane as we get into springtime. We don't know no. that, right? No, we don't know. Um, this, this virus is novel. We know when it started to pop up, um, there's some question if it may have been in having some cases prior to that, even in the fall. But we don't know how it's going to react in warmer months. We don't know how it's going to react. Um, in different settings. So unfortunately, so much is not known about this virus because it is novel and things do behave differently that we just, we're making guesses on that. We're talking with Dr. Andrea Halliday and uh, Dr. Brenda Ormisher. Uh, Dr. Ormisher is an infectious specialist with the Peace Health and uh, Dr. Halliday is the chief medical officer. Uh, we'll be right back with more on this edition of Doc Talk. You're not feeling well. You twist your ankle, or you have that pain in your shoulder that just doesn't go away? There is an alternative to the emergency room. It's a Peace Health walk-in clinic. There's no appointment necessary, and you may have to wait, but you could see someone today. It's open six days a week in the 380 building just across from Peace Health Peace Harbor Medical Center. The Peace Health walk-in clinic, your local health partners. I am a two-time breast cancer survivor and a big believer in mammograms. I do think they are very important. As a cancer survivor, the journey can be very difficult. But with the right people by your side, anything is possible. At Peace Health Peace Harbor Medical Center, you have access to advanced technology and mammogram screenings with enhancements to ensure your comfort. Request your appointment today at peacehealth.org forward slash yes-mamma because beating cancer is our mission. I'm speaking with Dr. Andrea Halliday, Chief Medical Officer at Peace Health, and Brenda Ormisher, the Doctor for Infectious Specialist there at Peace Health as well. Now, uh, things have obviously changed. We talked just to, touched a little bit on uh, earlier on there with you, Dr. Halliday, about uh, visitation restrictions that are now in place at the hospital. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about what those are? Yeah, it's um, you know it's not a decision we made lightly because we know. Um, how painful it is. Um, but what we've done is basically unless uh, you have a loved one that's dying or it's childbirth, um, so for a loved one we're allowing a visitor. Um, no visitors under the age of uh, 16. Um, and we're also for mom, baby, and labor and delivery at both of our hospitals at, at Peace Harbor and up here at Riverbend, uh, two, care two uh, visitors. Um, other than that, no visitors. And if you have a child, I guess both parents can be there? Yes. Thank you for, for uh, adding that. If you have, if, if the patient themselves needs caregivers, so if there's a child or there's another reason that they would need to have uh, uh, a family or related caregiver, they, they could be allowed in as well. Now, Peace Harbor is obviously a smaller hospital than Riverbend. Is it necessary? Are you guys going to be like restricting elective surgeries at this point, so that uh, in case you need those preparatory rooms for for other patients? Yes, we have we have ended as of yesterday any elective surgery uh, or procedure, and that also includes imaging studies um, throughout our Oregon network of hospitals. 
And so, in other words, like, like if a person has a, a broken leg or something, that would still be something that they that would be urgent enough oh, yes. to get them in. Oh yes, anything that's that's urgent that needs that kind of attention, we want to make sure that we have the resources to serve as the trauma center, also to deliver for deliveries and so on for all the uh, urgent and emergent. Uh, situations that we're still able to provide those services for our communities. Right, but things like, you know, things like uh, that they uh, people have to wait for or prepare for, like maybe a hip replacement or a knee replacement or a colonoscopy and that, some of those things can be put off a, a little bit? Yes, and we're asking uh, right now for that to be put off for six weeks. Okay, so, but, and, th- and again, that's a fluid time frame, isn't it? Uh-huh. Correct, correct. We have to evaluate it. We have a group of surgeons throughout um, our network of hospitals here that are meeting regularly to uh, address it as uh, new information comes up. Now, Dr. Ormersher, obviously, I think we've probably heard this information a thousand times, but for some reason, I think we need to hear it a thousand more. What can people do themselves? I mean, in addition to social distancing, what can people do to limit their exposure or limit the possible risk of them attaining this virus? Yeah, obviously, one, two, and three is good hand hygiene. Um, So making sure that we wash our hands at least 20 seconds when we're washing it and wash them frequently. If you're unable to use soap and water, um, which is always a great mechanism to wash your hands, um, using an alcohol-based hand sanitizer is appropriate. Um, We should also avoid touching our faces. Um, We carry a lot of germs on our hands and spreading that to our face, um, our nose and mouth, where this is where the most likely area we're going to get the infection um, to enter. Um, We want to avoid doing that. We would like to avoid anyone that is sick. So if you are sick, if you have fever, if you have cough that is not seasonal allergies, that you you just feel under the weather, malaise, it is best for you to stay home. Please don't be trying to go to the grocery store. Please ask a friend to help you and maintain social distancing in those situations as well. Um, Really protecting yourself is, is ideal by just maintaining your health, maintaining um, your sanity and maintaining good hand hygiene. Now, so if I might add, uh, you know, one thing people can do. So I've had a lot of people out in the community ask me, "What can we do? How can we help?" Is to give blood, and uh, again, we want to maintain social distancing. So you can call your local local blood donation center, and they'll give you an appointment. Um, we don't want our blood supply to run low because of our social distancing but we so we can give blood and maintain social distancing right now we've closed a lot of things we've stopped a lot of meetings and things like that but i i noticed yesterday and you know i feel pretty healthy so i don't i'm not worried about it too much but i the grocery store seems to still be a place where there are a lot of people because you know in this environment people are they feel like they've got to go is there is there ways to you know maybe curb that or, or treat that a little bit differently? Something people can do when they go in to maybe protect themselves a little bit better. You know, using hand sanitizer. Um, normally, the grocery stores do give you the sanitizing wipes, or you can ask for those to clean off the grocery carts. Um, but bringing your own hand sanitizer and using that frequently. Um, one of the things I am not involved in this, but I have heard that grocery stores do have special hours that they're posting for people that are at increased risk for the infection. 
Um, that's being defined as elderly, people over the age of 60, um, people that have that are pregnant, um, immunosuppressed status. The grocery store is are, are well aware um, and are trying to accommodate some of those. So it might be helpful for people to contact their grocery store, call them, find out if there are times that they're using for the at-risk population. Um, if you are not an at-risk population, if you're just a healthy 30-year-old woman, um, then please don't go during those times. Please be um, respectful of the risks that are being carried. The infection um, mortality rates, the death rates associated, uh, are much, much higher uh, over the age of 60. So really, they are at our risk population. Um, the numbers of deaths significantly increase after 60. Um, and so please, if we are um, out there, be respectful of the limitations, especially if businesses and organizations are trying to help that population. Now, I, this might, this is a totally off-the-wall question, and there may not be an answer for this, but I was, because in doing all this research and watching where all the test results are and everything, I noticed the, the Oregon coast has yet to have a positive test from Astoria all the way down. Um, that doesn't have anything to do with it, obviously. Is it just because it's a rural area and we haven't had as many tests? I can't answer that per se. You know, we, we see that the infection right now is being seen more in heavily populated areas, which makes sense for transmission. There's less natural social distancing, um, so that could have an impact on it. Um, generally, we see things when we do see infections and outbreaks, even flu and uh, um, our regular flu season, that it will tend to happen in larger cities and then spread outward from there. Um, so what we're seeing here is not really any different than the normal course of like a flu year spread. Okay. Again, we would caution people to not let that lull them into a false sense of security. Right. There isn't any place in this this country or, or the world really where we don't need to be practicing social distancing and staying home when we can. Right. Just like flu, you, you always get it on the coast, but you tend to get it about one to two weeks after Eugene, Oregon does. So um, it, it still happens every year that there's there does seem to be a natural lag, but I wouldn't take that as that you are safe. It just means that you just haven't seen it yet. Now, uh, most, of the, most of the entities around here are saying, you know, uh, for us, keep in touch with Lane County Health, keep in touch with the Oregon Health Authorities, see what the CDC is saying. Is there, is there a place for people that want to communicate with Peace Health in order to find out more information, or are you guys directing them to the same kind of websites? That would be actually, yeah, I was going to say Marcy would actually probably know that yeah, one. Yeah, I'll go ahead, Marcy. Yeah. I'll let Marcy address that. Okay. Um, so we have a website that's specially designed to provide information to the community, and that would be peacehealth.org backslash coronavirus. All right. Well, I tell you what, I thank all of you for uh, joining me today. This is very timely information. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it's going to give somebody a little peace of mind knowing uh, that there is preparations being done and that uh, that we are ready for this. You know, the good and the bad, we'll take it and, and do the best we can. So Dr. Andrea Halliday, uh, Chief Medical Officer for Peace Health, Brenda Ormisher, uh, Doctor with Infectious Specialist. Uh, Marcy, too, thank you so much for uh, joining me this morning. Thank you. You have been listening to Doc Talk, presented by Peace Health Peace Harbor Medical Center. For more information on the program and services provided, visit peacehealth.org.